Chapter Five of Black Jack by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Vance's work was not by any means accomplished. Rather, it might be said that he was in the position of a man with a dangerous charge for a gun and no weapon to shoot it. He started out to find the gun. In fact, he already had it in mind. Twenty-four hours later, he was in Craterville, five days out of the ten before the twenty-fifth birthday of Terence had elapsed, and Vance was still far from his goal, but he felt that the lion's share of the work had been accomplished. Craterville was a day's ride across the mountains from the Cornish Ranch, and it was the county seat. It was one of those towns which spring into existence for no reason that can be discovered, and cling to life generations after they should have died. But Craterville held one thing of which Vance Cornish was in great need, and that was Sheriff Joe Minter, familiarly called Uncle Joe. His reason for wanting the sheriff was perfectly simple. Uncle Joe Minter was the man who killed Black Jack Hollis. He had been a boy of eighteen then, shooting with a rifle across the windowsill. That shot had formed his life. He was now forty-two, and he had spent the interval as the professional enemy of criminals in the mountains. For the glory which came from the killing of Black Jack had been sweet to the youthful palate of Minter, and he had cultivated his taste. He became the most dreaded manhunter in those districts, where manhunting was most common. He had been sheriff at Craterville for a dozen years now, and still his supremacy was not even questioned. Vance Cornish was lucky to find the sheriff in town, presiding at the head of the long table of the hotel at dinner. He was a man of great dignity. He wore his stiff black hair, still untarnished by gray, very long, brushing it with difficulty to keep it behind his ears. This mass of black hair framed a long, stern face, the angles of which had been made by years, but there was no sign of weakness. He had grown dry, not flabby. His mouth was a thin, straight line. His fighting chin jutted out in profile. He rose from his place to greet Vance Cornish. Indeed, the sheriff acted the part of master of ceremonies at the hotel, having a sort of silent understanding with the widow who owned the place. It was said that the sheriff would marry the woman sooner or later, he so loved to talk at her table. His talk doubled her business. Her table afforded him an audience, so they needed one another. "'You don't remember me,' said Vance. "'I got a tolerable poor memory for faces,' admitted the sheriff. "'I'm Cornish, of the Cornish Ranch.' The sheriff was duly impressed. The Cornish Ranch was a showplace. He arranged a chair for Vance at his right, and presently... The talk rose above the murmur to which it had been depressed by the arrival of this important stranger. The increasing noise made a background. It left Vance alone with the sheriff. "'And how do you find your work, sheriff?' asked Vance, for he knew that Uncle Joe Minter's great weakness was his love of talk. Everyone in the mountains knew it, for that matter. "'Dull,' complained Minter. "'Men ain't what they used to be, or else the law is a heap stronger.' The men who enforce the law are, said Vance. 
The sheriff absorbed this patent compliment with the blank eye of satisfaction and rubbed his chin. But there's been some talk of rustling pretty recent. I'm waiting for it to grow and get ripe. Then I'll bust it. He made an eloquent gesture, which Vance followed. He was distinctly pleased with the sheriff, for Minter was wonderfully preserved. His face seemed five years younger than his age. His body seemed even younger, round, smooth, powerful muscles padding his shoulders and stirring down the length of his big arms. And his hands had that peculiar light restlessness of touch which Vance remembered to have seen in the hands of Terence Colby, alias Hollis. "'And how are things up your way?' continued the sheriff. "'Booming. By the way, how long is it since you've seen the ranch?' "'Never been there. Bear Creek Valley has always been a quiet place since the Cornishes moved in, and there ain't been a call for a gent in my line of business up that way.' He grinned with satisfaction, and Vance nodded. If times are dull, why not drop over? We're having a celebration there in five days. Come and look us over. Maybe I might, and maybe I mightn't, said the sheriff. All depends. And bring some friends with you, insisted Vance. Then he wisely let the subject drop and went on to a detailed description of the game in the hills around the ranch. That, he knew, would bring the sheriff, if anything would, but he mentioned the invitation no more. There were particular reasons why he must not press it on the sheriff any more than on others in Craterville. The next morning, before train time, Vance went to the post office and left the article on Black Jack addressed to Terence Colby at the Cornish Ranch. The addressing was done on a typewriter, which completely removed any means of identifying the sender. Vance played with Providence in only one way. He was so eager to strike his blow at the last possible moment that he asked the postmaster to hold the letter for three days, which would land it at the ranch on the morning of the birthday. Then he went to the train. His self-respect was increasing by leaps and bounds. The game was still not won, but starting with absolutely nothing, in six days he had planted a charge which might send Elizabeth's twenty-four years of labor up in smoke. He got off the train at Preston, the station nearest the ranch, and took a hired team up the road along Bear Creek Gorge. They debouched out of the Blue Mountain into the valley of the ranch in the early evening, and Vance found himself looking with new eyes on the little kingdom. He felt the happiness, indeed, of one who has lost a great prize and then put himself in a fair way of winning it back. They dipped into the valley road. Over the tops of the big silver spruces he traced the outline of Sleep Mountain against the southern sky. Who but Vance or the dwellers in the valley would be able to duly appreciate such beauty? If there were any wrong in what he had done, this thought consoled him. The ends justified the means. Now, as they drew closer, through the branches he made out glimpses of the dim white front of the big house on the hill. That big, cool house, with the kingdom spilled out at its feet. The farming lands, the pastures of the hills, and the rich forest of the upper mountains. Certainty came to Vance Cornish. He wanted the ranch so profoundly that the thought of losing it 
became impossible. End of chapter 5